Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Man, we're glad that you're here. It is going to be a great service, and we are glad, listen, that you are here with us in person for all of those online watching, traveling, you know, on the bass boat, in the lake, or just in your PJs eating pancakes. We're glad that you're with us. Come on, throw a comment real quick. Come on, church, y'all give them a hand. We're glad that they're here. Absolutely. Well, I am excited today um, just really to be able to sit and hear the word. I want to let you guys know a lot of um, my friends and, and people that really have journeyed with us for a long time. You know, God has friends, brothers, uncles, uh, father figures in the faith. And, that, that, and, and, and we're supposed to run with those, you know. Uh, and for me, uh, Pastor Steve and Missy here in just a second, we'll clap for them. But uh, we, were, we met in college. We were in each other's wedding. And it, there's something about long-term friendships. You know what you can't do today is you can't make a long-term friend today. It just takes a long time to become a long-term friend. Uh, I'm just like, they, like they don't, they're not offering those out at the next local get-together. I mean, it just takes a long time. And to be a long-time friend, you've got to walk through life, agreements, disagreements. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. And so Pastor Steve has been a, a, a spiritual brother, really, to me, as we've been navigating ministry together. They have a church. They pastor a church called Highway Community in Broomfield, Colorado. And all of their kids have come and at some level been a part of Be The One. Amber, uh, their youngest daughter, is starting on our local trip. So she will be, come on, Be The One doing a local trip. Y'all be praying for Be The One because here's the deal. They start tonight, uh, 25 young people doing outreach, three outreaches a day. That's going to be crazy. So uh, if you see random people in church doing some good stuff, you may be like, I know them. Um, and so we're excited about that. But I am excited for you to, to, to hear my brother and, and to, to hear his heart. Uh, Pastor Steve and Missy love people, and we're excited that they are here. Come on, y'all give them a house welcome. What's up? What's up? Love you, brother. Uh, it is good to be in the house. Man, I, I love, we had a first... Uh, First great service, and now we're online, so hi, Mom, hi, Dad. I, you know, come on, y'all know, y'all know, Mom and Dad, they're going to be checking out, they're going to be tuning in, so, uh, but man, it is good, it's good to be here, uh, bringing our daughter down. Uh, man, we love, let's just say, we love your pastors, all right, so Stephen and Katie, their family, thank you for hosting us so well. And uh, you're right, man. We have been on the journey together over a couple decades now. Uh, man, we look better than we've ever looked, right? Yeah, we do. We do. I mean, yeah. We're, we, we're wiser. We're wiser. More gray. More gray. Yeah. Uh, but man, I'm just telling you, if you are visiting for the first time, you need this place. You need to plug in. 
you need to be fed here. This is a place that you will be known, love, and challenge. I can tell you that. Uh, but but you, like like they say, you got to take the next step. It's on you uh, to take the next step. But uh, man, it is good to be here in the magical land of Wally World. I'm just like, ah, oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So, uh, uh, good good old Sam. All right. So, uh, uh, but hey, let me let me throw a picture here so you can see our squad. So this is the crew. Man, that's a good looking crew. Man, I couldn't do what I do without Pastor Missy right here and. Uh, man, I just love the fact that we've gotten a journey together all these years. Fifteen years ago, God put in our heart uh, to start a ministry called Highway Ministries International to train leaders, plant churches all over the world. Uh, we've got to be on the ground in Brazil, Costa Rica, Uganda multiple times, uh, digitally other places, Pakistan. Uh, we we uh, have gotten a partner with Surge Project. We've planted now four or five churches, Cambodia, Nigeria. Uh, about to plant one this summer. Uh, it just kind of, you lose track of it all. But uh, it's just good. We love ministry. We love people. We love what we do. And so it is an incredible honor to get to be here today with each one of you. I believe God's got a word for us. Uh, and I want to get ready for it. And so something we, something we do at Highway every Sunday, the, the, the teacher typically will do this. And uh, don't worry, I'll lead you into it. Just going to repeat after me. Say, I want to grow. God, you have more. I want to know it. And so that postures ourselves in a position to be teachable. Like, if, if we can be teachable, God can take us on a journey. And, and that's kind of where the vision of Highway, Highway comes out of the idea that we're on a journey with Jesus. We, we want to become more engaged followers of him in the process. And so we just want to posture ourselves today. And I, I feel right at home right here, so thanks for letting me say that with you. Uh, but we're just going to dive into what God has for us this morning. You ready? You good with that? You good with that? Well, let me ask a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, build it and they will come? Anybody? Any, any takers? You know where it comes from, right? Like, okay, I know if you're young, maybe not. But this is like a life-changing movie. Kevin Costner, you know what I'm saying? So I, I was born in 76. So in 89, this movie came out, Filled of Dreams. And uh, it's, it's kind of strange because the guy hears voices. I don't know if you're like him, but, you know, I mean, you hear voices. Uh, sometimes, like, you, you do weird things, crazy things. And so... He is a corn farmer and plows up his field and, and puts this diamond, this baseball diamond, and uh, because because this voice, you know, I mean that, that's logical, of course. And so uh, so it's, it's all these baseball players, you know, of, of, of past, including his dad, comes out and they play baseball on this field, and and so it's a whole it's a whole cool thing. But anyway, so the the idea when when Steve and I were talking, we were telling where you know Amber's coming, he's like, man, you need to teach the house, and uh, it just I was in the shower. And so this is a clean message, I'll tell you. Um, so the, 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 the title hit me, build it and they will come. So if you're taking notes, there's your title and it's probably not going to go uh, necessarily in the direction uh, you're thinking. But in the Old Testament, there's a story of a gentleman, he's a cupbearer named Nehemiah. Now he is working for King uh, Artaxerxes and he's, uh, you know, Every day in, the, in, in that position of handing the, the, the cup, the juice, the wine, whatever, uh, to, to the king. And so he hears a word, comes back from uh, Jerusalem, that the walls are still torn down, broken down, still rubble. The gates are still burned. Um, and, and everybody who survived the exile, uh, they're living in shame. I mean, it's, it's a horrible situation. And so uh, one day he's in the courtroom with a king. And I mean, this guy must be a happy dude, you know, happy-go-lucky Nehemiah because 
king looks at him like, man, like someone stole your son. I mean, you look sad today, Nehemiah. What's going on? What's, what's wrong? And so Nehemiah kind of comes clean like, man, this is what's, I've got this burden. I've got this passion. But I, I got to go back. I got to build. I got I to gotta get back and, and, and redeem the story, if you will. And so King Eric Xerxes sends him on and, and gives him blessing and support and all that. And so I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 4. And I'll encourage you, man, if you uh, have time this week, just get, get along with God. Read the story. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. A lot of drama, a lot, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, but we're going to dive into a portion of it uh, today. And so Nehemiah chapter 4, let's look at first uh, eight verses. And I'm reading out the English Standard Version. Uh, so now when uh, Sambalet heard that we are building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered. I don't know if you had anybody jeer at you lately, but that's that's bad. It's bad when you have someone jeer, all right? Jeered at the Jews, and he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite, Ammonite, who is beside him, speaks up. Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. I mean, like, he, he's like trying to jab here. It's like his throwdown. You know, like, here's uh, Tobias, like, man, I want to be included. I want to I I I slam the Jews. You know, like, so he jumps in. He's like, man, even a fox on that wall would come. I mean, you know, you just kind of see this image of these two guys trying to slam them before they even get started in the work here. And so here Nehemiah starts turning what's happening to a conversation with God. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Verse 6. So we built the wall. That's what we're going to do. We're going to build a wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But, verse 7, Sambalet, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and Ammonites, and Ashtonites heard that they were repairing the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, and that the, the breaches were beginning to be closed. They, they got angry. They got very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Now, now here's where the storyline goes. See, anytime there is a new initiative in the kingdom of God, resistance will arise. Build it, they will come. See, see, see here's where the Holy Spirit's trying to take us. You, you start trying to do anything. Uh, let's, okay, we're talking about tithing. I, I want to tithe. You, you get together with your spouse. You're on agreement. You know, if you're single, you get agreement with yourself. You know, whatever it looks like. And you're like, I'm going to start tithing. And then that bill comes. And then the car breaks down. And the, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's resistance. It starts coming. You want to get involved the dream team? Come, pastor, put me in every week. I'm signing up. And then next week, kid's sick, got a sniffle nose. And the next week, mom's in town. And the next week, and you know, I'm, like there's resistance to that. I'm going to finish framework. Man, I'm going to do this. I'm ready. And then your schedule something. I got to be out of town next week. And see, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. Verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem. 
I mean, that's what you feel like the world's against you. The moment you, you hear a word from God, you start trying to do something. I, I can testify to 15 years of trying to, to launch a church in Boulder, Colorado, Broomfield, Colorado, that area. I, you, you step out to do something God tells you, the enemy is not going to let you just easily walk in and do it. You ever try to commit your life to, like, I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to read the Bible through this year. You know what I'm saying? I got you version. I got my app ready. I got, I got it picked out, the reading plan. I'm going to pray every day. I mean, I got a closet in my, like, literal closet. I'm going to get in the closet. I'm going to close the door. Me and God, one-on-one. So, are, are you still doing it? I mean, hopefully the answer is yes, but most of us would be like, uh, no, no. That was a good, well-intended just didn't follow through. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's be a little less spiritual. Uh, you ever try to get healthier? <laughs> go, go to the gym, work out, lose a little weight, get in shape. I mean, I got a shape. I'm just trying to change it half the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you try to do that. I mean, gym's the number one time of the year that they get membership is January. You know why? New Year's resolutions. Everybody's like, I'm doing it different this year, you know, setting the donut to the side. Maybe, you know, like you, you feel that, but the problem is in that moment, they get you to sign a year contract. You know why? Come February, you ain't showing up. You know, like you, 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 ah, it was a good idea. No follow through. And they get your money no matter what. So when you look at the idea of anything you try to attempt to better yourself, bring order to your life, um, you obey a word from God, there's going to be resistance to it. And I think so often in the church, man, we, we sign up for this church thing, this Jesus thing, and, and in the process, all of a sudden, something gets hard. We're like, well, God, where are you? I mean, God, well, that must not have been God. If there's resistance, here, anything, the natural laws are against you. I mean, you just got to get off the couch. Gravity's like, no, you don't. You know, like, I mean, I, I got to go. I got to go do this. And like, you know, the bed is just too, com gravity's pulling harder than it usually does. And that moment, I mean, object at rest tends to stay at rest unless it's enacted on by an outside force. I mean, like, entropy. Oh, my goodness. Everything tends from order to chaos, like your room, your, your car. I mean, anybody got a garden? Anybody garden out here? Like, uh, right there? Uh, have you ever pulled weeds? One time, right? That's all it took. Never again. No, no. I mean, everything tends towards chaos. The very fact that God tells you to do something, there's going to be resistance. And the fact that you got to get and do it again, I know it's not fair, but life's not fair. And if you think it should be fair, you're setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment. A lot. I mean, why? Let me, let me say it this way. The devil does not fight fair. You sign up for this journey with Jesus, man, you, you're stepping into it. The devil does not fight fair. And if we're aware that he does not fight fair, if, if we know there's gonna, it's going to take effort, some tenacity, some willpower, then just maybe we'll stay the course. Man, I can tell you, planting church in Colorado, like there, we, we have said goodbye to a lot of church plants in Colorado, especially in the region we're at. Th just didn't stay the course. All different reasons, love every one of them, uh, but, but you gotta stay the course. It's gonna be hard no matter what God tells you to do. First Peter 5, 8, Peter in his wisdom says, stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking, seeking for that person he can devour. Come on, don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. I mean, you, you got to understand, we have been given an awareness. Don't be that person who is devoured. You heard that joke, the uh, two hikers come up on a bear. You heard that one? All right. So, I mean, they come up on a bear, and so one guy takes off his backpack, starts changing out his, his hiking boots, putting on tennis shoes, and others look at him like, you can't outrun a bear. He's like, well, I know I can't outrun a bear. I just got to outrun you. You know, like, I mean, don't be that guy that gets stuck, you know. I mean, and I'm not a professional on lions or cheetahs by any means. I have watched Discovery Channel, all right? When you see that, I mean, they, they don't fight fair. I mean, they're looking for the weak, the lame, the one that's left behind, the small. I mean, they're, they're sneaking up through the reeds. I mean, they're, they're not like, hey, I'm here to kill you, you know? Like, I mean, like, they don't fight fair. Bank on it. When God is at work in your life, the enemy is also at work. He, he wants to stop you. I mean, the parable of the sower, Luke 8, Jesus talks about when the word equated to seed is sown, immediately Satan comes, like, like birds. He, he equates it to birds. So if you don't like birds, it makes sense. Jesus said it's like Satan, you know, like, I mean, if you like birds, I don't know, work that out with your doctrinal statement with God. But, but the fact is he comes immediately to take the word that is sown. It's not fair that you got up and got to church and then by tomorrow the enemy's trying to take this word you're hearing. I get it. It's not fair. You got to fight to hold on to it. Come on. People take kingdom principles seriously. There's going to be resistance. And we just got to be aware. We got to be aware of that. Rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem was no different. Nehemiah would tell you. I mean, he, it's like everybody's coming against him. All kinds of different ways. I mean, he's rallied the team, baby. Come on. They're excited. The wall's coming up. There's progress. But opposition arises against them. So, so three areas. I just want to give you just quick thoughts of where, where opposition can come from. First, outsiders. Outsiders. Those outside of, of what God's doing. Opposition usually arises from people who cannot see spiritually what you can. I mean, it can't. I mean, you know, it talks about salt and light and darkness and light, all that different, like you're journeying with sometimes people in proximity, they cannot see what you see. And it may be close, it may be a sibling, a coworker, a parent, a friend. I don't know who it is, but just be aware there's going to be people on the outside spiritually who cannot see, and they will oppose you. Warren Wiersbe writes, God's people sometimes have difficulty working together, and we would agree with that, but the people of the world have no problem uniting in opposition to the work of the Lord. I mean, they're going to be all together. And here, Nehemiah has, has Sambalet, the Horonite. He is the governor of the north, Tobiah, Ammonite official of the east. Uh, Geshem, the Arab from the south, controls the trade. And I mean, each of them have their reasons. They don't want Jerusalem to be built. They're going to lose their power, their position, their trade route, their, their, their income, outcome flow, import, export business. So you look at this, chalk it up, just like these guys oppose them for the success that they're going to have. 
many times opposition comes from those who feel threatened by your success. It's going to happen. What's more shocking? So you got outsiders. It's even more challenging when it's insiders. Opposition that comes from inside. Okay, I mean, that could be an inner circle. You know, I mean, Jesus had an inner circle. I mean, I taught one time and used the word click, and I had all kinds of people, like, throwing stuff at me. But um, he had a click. He had a group of guys, an inner circle, that only these guys went into certain situations. You need an inner circle. They got your back. They're not enamored by you. You trust. You can work out stuff. I mean, you need that. But, but here, insiders, uh, let's just say this, church people, they should be able to see what you're seeing spiritually. It, it makes sense. It doesn't really surprise me when those outside oppose me. It's challenging when it's inside the church. Man, you're stepping out, and the people that should have your back, the people that you here in this room, you have each other's back. I, I get it. Maybe a past church experience, maybe just, I don't know, a coworker who is spiritual or a Christian. You're like, man, why can't you get behind me and support me? Just you're opposing what God's trying to do in my life. I've just always... Man, I've, I've just always been wired, you know, when we're in any situation and someone across town comes to our church and they start trying to, you know, run down another church, badmouth them, badmouth the pastor, I, I stop them pretty quick. I'm like, hey, you're, you're barking on the wrong tree here. Like, like you want to get in good with this relationship? Don't talk about another church, another pastor. Those are my brothers and my sisters. Some of them are my friends. Like, you, like you just, you're stepping over a line that you don't want to cross with me to start slamming another church. God called us out of Colorado. He said, be a healthy piece of the puzzle. That means we're going to come in, we're going we're gonna to empower every. I've sent more people to other churches than I've said stay at our church. Like, I get to know them. I get to know their spouse. I'm like, you need to go over here. Not because I think they're crazy and I just don't want them. Like, yeah, you don't need to be in my church. I have in 15 years only told one person, they cannot, and they were crazy, I will say. They were crazy. We got a few, we got a few of those. In Boulder, we call them fruits, nuts, and flakes. You know, like, I mean, natural people. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, insiders, insiders. You just got to be aware. Jesus dealt with this. I mean, sure, he dealt with the religious leaders, even, even his siblings. I mean, like, you know, when different ones are struggling, like, you're really the Messiah? You know, I grew up with you. I mean, that's challenging in itself, and they did come around. But, but I mean, his inner circle, I just talked about Peter. I mean, Jesus is prophetically trying to tell his disciples what's about to happen in Jerusalem, like, like bad and good news. And Peter's like, no, no, that cannot happen. You know, he's putting his foot down and Jesus, like, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, I mean, he was, he was having to deal with the insider resisting the will of God in his life. Jesus dealt with it, guys. And third thing I think is probably, my opinion, the hardest. It's yourself. Outsiders, insiders, yourself. Man, I don't know about you, but that, that's, that's sometimes my biggest struggle and what I have to overcome, my flesh, my thought life. I mean, lining up my will with God's will when God's will is revealed and known. I mean, the flesh, God, your body, my body at least, I'll say this way, does not like it when I work out. I mean, it tells me. I'm in the middle of it like, this is a dumb decision, Steve. You, 
you pass that box of donuts, go back to the donuts. Like, that was a nice place to be. I mean, it'll tell me the next day. It just, it'll remind me. It'll wake me up and say, hey, you remember that? I mean, I'll, I'll be screaming and a cramp. You remember what you did to me? No, you're not going to sleep tonight. You know what I mean? Like, the body's, you get a craving. Talking about cravings, man. You know, all of a sudden, like, I mean, stomach's rotten. You just, you got to have that, you know? The body, the flesh is loud. I, I think that's probably part of the, the spiritual discipline, the reason for the spiritual discipline of fasting. Because you force your flesh to submit. I mean, we, I, you know, I think y'all do it throughout the year. Give yourself to that. Come on, learn how to live a fasted life. You're submitting. You're causing the voice of your flesh to hush. Why? Because I'm in charge here. I'm going I'm to tell it what it's going to do. Uh, Paul said, Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh, set your mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. We, we, we have to, church, we have to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Dun, dun, dun. You know, like, but, but, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's the promise. And, and deeds in the Greek is praxis. is where we get the idea of practices, habits, actions. Put to death the habits of the flesh. The thing that feeds the flesh, put that to death and lean into the life of the Holy Spirit. And you will find life on the other side of it. That's what he's calling us to, and, and Paul understood this as he wrote it. So there's different strategies of opposition, but every opposition has the same goal, same purpose. It's to stop your progress. Stop your progress. I think sometimes the, the, the reason it seems like even more opposition is you get closer to the thing God's led you into. It gets more intense. I mean, like, that, that's usually the people we've journeyed with that, that throw in the towel is they just, they didn't realize, man, it's just so, my breakthrough is so close. It's just right on the other side of obedience. Like it's just right there. And maybe the Holy Spirit just brought me here today to tell you, don't quit. You're so close to that breakthrough. Don't stop. Believing for your marriage to be healed. Believing for that thing in the finances to get out of debt. But that new job. I don't know what it is, but don't stop pressing in, believing for. I mean, you do know what a breakthrough is means, right? You have to break through. There's resistance. Hey, you ever walk up to a door that there, I mean, you think it's going to have resistance and there's not? Whoa, you know, like, like breakthrough means you are breaking through the resistance. There's resistance. I come up, I have an altar call moment. God, I'm giving my life, I'm doing this. I, I'm believing for my breakthrough. Next week, you're calling Pastor Steve. This is so hard. It's called resistance. And it's coming. Build it, and they will come. Resistance will come from all directions. Come on, church. We, we are notorious so often when we hit a wall. We hit a hard season. You know, God, where are you? Where are you? 
I've been faithful. Where are you at, God? God's like, I'm right here. Devil doesn't fight fair. That's why I gave you the word. It's alive. It's active. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. That's giving you the Holy Spirit. He's powerful. Come on. He is a teacher, a comforter. He is a helper. He's a healer. Come on. I've given you the tools to succeed. What you put on me for? Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Keep believing. Keep pressing through. Ask and you shall receive. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep pursuing that breakthrough. Don't be surprised when resistance comes. Now, it, resistance comes like, I mean, it can be in form of insults, ridicule. I mean, Goliath didn't just sit back when David's running up with a slingshot like, oh, okay, come on, kill me. No, he's taunting David. He's calling him all kinds of names in their language and, you know, things that I don't know would be meaningful like for him to say. Jesus, hanging on the cross, soldiers mocking him, ridiculing people around him. Like, dude's like probably naked and hanging and dying, and they're like, who are you? Come on down. Call yourself the son of God. Like, I mean, like another thief ridiculing him from another cross. You're like, out of anybody who should, should have some compassion. See, see. Devil doesn't fight fair. It's going to come from any and all direction. Sambalette in this story, Tobiah, I mean, they're, they're bringing ridicule. Sambalette, I mean, multiple times up to this point, has already showed up to taunt them, to, 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 to cause them to stop their progress. The thing about ridicule, it will find your vulnerable spot. It knows your button. Because that's what he got you to stop with last time. Something happens to your kids. Something happens at work. That one person says something. I mean, like, throwing in the towel, going into depression for a week. I mean, he knows the button. It's going to come. Be prepared for the attack. The opposition that's happening where you're most vulnerable, especially so in the process, don't lose your tenacity because it's, it's coming to cause you to stop. Some, some people have stopped believing God, trusting God. Doubt, they start doubting God. They lose their faith simply because they weren't ready for the resistance. Come on, church, let's not be unaware. Let's be prepared. Even James 4, 7 says, submit therefore to God and resist the devil. Resist the devil. Come on, say resist the devil. Too many of our journeys are, are postured in a fight of defense versus offense. Scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I have just never seen attacking gates flying at you like, oh, wow, the gates coming at. No, gates are on the wall and the opposing force is coming towards the gates to take them out. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the Lord of the Rings fans, I mean, they're battering the gate. The gates aren't like flying out in the army. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are supposed to be on offensive. We've just, we've lived life on the wrong side of that perspective. And I think just too often we've been unaware. We, we give our life to Christ thinking, man, now everything should be easy. Should be good. No problems. Sign me up. 
I mean, seriously, sign me up if that's the case. I just, I can't find that biblically that there's no resistance. It comes to everybody who follows God into anything. Anything. You join a mission, expect it. Opposition is coming. So we've got to be ready. We need patience. We need strength. We need endurance, boldness. I love the, the fact in Acts, the early church, the number one prayer they had was for boldness. Not comfort, not convenience, boldness, boldness, boldness. The, the main principle of resistance training, weight training, Bob Brock could tell us more about this, but it builds strength and endurance. That's, that's what it does. The, the greater the resistance in your life, the greater your strength can be. It, it has that potential to put you in a position where you can endure more. I know that doesn't sound fun. James 1, 2 through 4, he writes, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We're talking about endurance here. Let then perseverance finish its work so that you may, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One thing I've learned, spiritual maturity is not about how long you've been a Christian. No, I mean, you know, some pillars in some churches that are uh, spiritual babies. Man, is, what can you endure? What can you fight through? What can you overcome? I mean, show me some battle scars. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that, that's the imagery of the Christian life. That's what you're signing up for. Resistance is going to come. It's going to raise its ugly head. Let's, let's go back to Nehemiah 4. Let's read a few, few more verses. Verse 13. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed people by their clans with their swords, with their spears, their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome Fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your like, like this is the part he's riding the horse, you know. I mean, like that's uh, Nehemiah. This verse 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, half held the spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. The leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had their swords strapped to the side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. I said to the nobles, the officials, to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread. We are separated uh, on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. I'm just telling you, church, there's a sound. There's a sound, and today you need two things, to remember who God is. I, and that's something we could just like easily you know, go on to the next point. You need to remember today who God is. 
He is faithful. He is good. He is gentle. He's also powerful. We need to remember who God is. Second thing is we need to remember his promises towards us. And in Christ, all his promises are yes and amen. Come on, we need a word from God. We need a, a promise from God. We need to stay focused on that promise no matter how hard it gets. You know, the time is completed. In 1937, the Golden Gate Bridge was the longest suspension bridge in the world. During that first phase of construction, 23 men fell to their deaths in the icy water below. And it was kind of going from bad to worse. And so about halfway through the project, they had, they had to stop and reevaluate. Like, man, this is not working. And so out of that meeting and that, that process, they came up with one of the largest nets ever, ever assembled. And it, it hung under uh, the bridge where the men were working. Now, I, don't, I mean, you could ask the question, was that worth the time, the investment, and I don't know. Ask the, the 10 men who fell into the net and lived to tell about it. But besides the net being there, the work uh, increased uh, the capacity of what they could do. It, it finished in three-fourths of the time because the men knew they had a security net below. They weren't working and living in fear of death. They had something to fall into. Come on, church, you got the best security net ever. You got God himself as your security. As you step out, he is there. He does not leave you. He does not forsake you. That's his promise. You have security. Come on, step out with boldness into what God says. I'm going to land this plane here. So, so to, 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 to look back at this story, I love how Nehemiah's story ends. The wall is complete. He stayed the course. They won. Chapter 6, come on, we're speaking, come on back up. 15 through 16, for the wall was finished on 25th day of the month of Elud uh, in 52 days. That's crazy. 52 days they completely rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Verse 16, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. Right here, right here. And this is the thing. Some of, so there's people around you on your journey that need to have this perspective. They perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Man, there's some people in your journey that need to see you get to the other side of your resistance and say, there's no way they could have done that by themselves. They've got a God who's with them in the journey. There's a story goes along this way that a farmer's uh, donkey fell into a well one day. Farmer's a little upset. I mean, he liked this donkey. He's had it a while. It's old. He can't figure out how to get this donkey out of the well. Like, I mean, like, it's just... It, it, despair setting in. The donkey is braying. I mean, like, it's just not a good situation. And Finally, the farmer comes to the conclusion, like, I, I needed to fill the well anyway. I don't think I can get him out. So he gets his neighbors and starts getting shovels and dirt and 
shoveling dirt down into the well. I mean, this is kind of a morbid story, I know, but stay with me. Shoveling dirt down into the well. I mean, at first, the donkey's freaking out. Like, I mean, he's I mean, even louder, baying and just frustrated at the situation. And then all of a sudden, farmer realized the donkey's quiet. He looks down, and he's able to see what's going on. With each shovel load that they were throwing down, the donkey, with his back, it would shake it off. And it would take a step up. Farmer's like, Come on, like they would, they would start shoveling more dirt. Every time the donkey would shake it off and then take a step up. Before long, that donkey was at the top of that well and stepped out and trotted off. As all the farmers and friends celebrated, I just believe there's a season of the church when resistance will come that we will know how to shake it off and take a step up into all that God has for us. You know, we flew down from uh, Denver to, to Tulsa Thursday, right? Yeah, Thursday. You know, when we were on the tarmac, we, we never felt any turbulence. Crazy, I know. It's crazy. We felt the turbulence after we started to fly. See, turbulence just is an indicator you're flying. I and mean, we may not like turbulence, but I'm in the air and I'm going somewhere. Some of y'all, you're feeling it. But I'm here to remind you, you're also flying too. Stay the course. Don't quit. Breakthrough's coming. Come on, I feel I feel just a, a moment of prayer for you guys. Maybe you're in the room. and they Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Maybe you, maybe, what's well, this first thing? Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel alone. Second thing is maybe you feel that resistance I was talking about and it's, it's been overwhelming and you felt like what God has led you into is, has been put on hold. Like, like you well-intended but didn't follow through and you feel that. So real quick, if you feel like either of those things, you feel like you're alone, like you've been feeling that, raise your hand. If you've been feeling that resistance, you're ready to break through, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand, come on, I'll see you girl. Holy Spirit sees you, raise your hand. I want you to look around, you're not alone. Look around, you're not alone. You're not alone in this place especially, you're not alone. You got people wanna surround you and journey with you and love on you and see God heal the deep resources of the pain. Come on, he wants to heal the brokenhearted today. It's your day, it's your day. Oh, come on, let's just lift our hands to God. I want to pray over you guys. Oh, so good. The Spirit of God, where He is, there is liberty. There's freedom. The Holy Spirit, right now, today, you are setting the captives free. You put the lonely in family. Come on, they have a home. They have a house to go to. They have a group of people surrounding them, loving them, championing them, cheering them on. And today, their heart is healed. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we receive that. We receive your grace. We receive your mercy. Oh, we receive that healing, anointing in this place. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. 
feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.